years ago, when I was in student ministry, we used to play this game called Bigger or Better. We would divide the youth group into teams um, and send them to different places, different neighborhoods in town, uh, usually just different directions from church so that we could walk where we were going. And we would arm them with a paper clip or a pencil and instruct them to go door to door, knock on the door and say, hi, I'm Brian. We're here with Bethesda's youth group and we're playing this game called Bigger or Better. And we were just wondering if you have anything in your house that is bigger or better that, than this paper clip that you'd be willing to trade us for. We'll give you the paper clip, you give us something else. So often it would start with a nickel or a quarter. Uh, they'd be like, yeah, I've got some change here. Uh, and so we'd go to the next house, say, hi, I'm Brian. Uh, we're with Bethesda's youth group. We're just playing this game bigger or better, and now we've got this quarter. And we were wondering if you have anything bigger or better than that in your house that you'd be willing to trade for us. And then we'd get a can of soup or a box of mac and cheese. Uh, and it was always fun to come back and bring our collections back to the youth room and see what each team got. One time when I was playing with my college friends, we came back with this pink dress uh, that I used for lots of skits. Um, but one time, we even came back with a 32-inch working television. Um, it, I, it was a tube TV, and it, <laughs> it was kind of obnoxious to carry it back. Uh, but it was... It was cool. I think we actually used it in church on one of our TV carts for a long, long time. <laughs> the writer to the Hebrews isn't playing bigger, better, like, is there anything that we can find that's bigger, better than Jesus that we can trade? Uh, instead, the writer to the Hebrews is saying that whatever you think is big and great and best, you can trade that in for Jesus because he always wins. Jesus is greater. And so as we approach the beginning of chapter 2 here, in chapter 1 we saw this beautiful, profound opening to the letter describing how glorious Jesus really is in just a few verses. And then this argument begins. Jesus is better than any of the messengers who've come before him, which makes his message better than the messages we've heard in the past as well. So we're going to turn to chapter 2, uh, where we receive this first warning that says, don't miss this. This is really important. Jesus is the best we got to pay close attention to what he says. So Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according 
to his will. And so the writer to the Hebrews has described that Jesus is better than the angels. And his message, therefore, is better than even the law that the angels delivered to Moses. And so now the writer is saying we must pay very close attention. We just heard that Jesus' message is the best. It's better than even the the law that was given to Moses by angels, which has defined us as God's people. But now Jesus has come and declared this new covenant, this new truth, the gospel. And we must pay very close attention so that we don't think that we're anchored and drift away. So the the picture here is kind of this scene where you pull into this safe harbor with your boat and you drop anchor, but you don't realize that the rope on the anchor is not long enough for the anchor to hit the bottom. And so you think you're safe. You've done all the things that you're supposed to do, but still your boat is drifting away from safe harbor. So the author to the Hebrews says, I know you're going through all these things. Life in the first century was challenging. They were being persecuted for their faith in a way that just, that wasn't just like, do we have the right influence in society? It was like we could lose our lives, right? In addition to that, their Jewish friends were still coming to them saying, you know, with this, these legalistic ideas that said, you know, if you pay too much attention to Jesus, you're going to forget all these roots that we have that make us God's people. And you're going to slip up and mess up, and it could be bad for you. And so the Hebrews that are receiving this letter are trying to figure out, okay, we've heard this news about Jesus, and we want it. But now it's, it could cost us our lives, and all our f- old friends and family are telling us that we still need to do all the old things. And it's hard and challenging as they try to figure out how to navigate this. So the writer to the Hebrews says, you know Jesus is better than what you heard before. We have to pay very close attention because if you drop anchor and think that you're safe with, this, with these other ideas, you could drift away. And so the writer continues and kind of asks this question, what's the worst that could happen? So the writer to the Hebrews kind of acknowledges the law has defined us as God's people in the past. The Ten Commandments, the giving of the law, and in fact, in the Old Testament, we know that there are over 600 commands that were kind of given in chunks, kind of as the people needed clarification and they started to stray, then God would kind of speak again through the prophets and explain, no, this is how we're defined as my people. This is what it means to be in relationship with me. And so over 600 commands. And the writer says, now the angels delivered this law this, that defined us as God's people, this first covenant. And we know that that law couldn't save us. 
And it didn't work. We broke those laws all the time. But even though those laws were given to us as this invitation by God to obey him and stay close to him, even though those laws and our obedience to them couldn't save us, still they had serious consequences. And it was laid out in the law what those consequences were. If we murdered, we could suffer the death penalty. You know, and it, it was broken down even to if you offered the wrong, you know, insincere offering, it was clear what the consequence was, what, what you needed to do to make amends for that. And so all these laws in the past had consequences, and they were serious. So the writer says, what would we imagine would be the consequence if we ignore this glorious salvation that Jesus has declared to us and offers by his own death and resurrection? If Jesus is better than the messenger who came before, and Jesus is God himself who never changes, and is actually the creator of all things, and the king of all kings. And he was willing to sacrifice himself on the cross to pay for our sins. What would the consequence be if we ignored that and anchored our lives around something else? And the assumption here is that it would be terrible. And so we want to spend a little bit of time looking at Jesus himself said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? If we invest our lives in anything else, any earthly thing, even valuable things, if we poured ourselves just into family, we know people like that who are just great family people. They just give themselves to their families, but they don't have Jesus. It's a good and wise investment for them to pour into the lives and care for them, the lives of the people around them. But if they don't have Jesus, it, it doesn't last. John explains it. 1 John chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son, Jesus. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. So the writer of the Hebrews says we must pay very close attention because Jesus is better than anything we've heard before. Even the best that we've heard before. And if we ignore him, if we drift away, if we think we've anchored ourselves in the right spot, but we're not actually connected to Jesus, then we're on a path to destruction no matter how good that path looks. So the writer of the Hebrews says, we must pay very close attention because what's the worst thing that could happen? You could end up not being with God for eternity. And that's not what we want. That's not what God wants. That's not what Jesus came for. So we must pay very close attention. 
So the writer of the Hebrews then, kind of summary, know this. Salvation in Jesus is our security. It's our only security. Jesus is greater than all who've come before. He's greater even than the angels, than God's perfect messengers. Jesus is greater. And he invites us into relationship with the God who made us. In fact, he sacrificed his own life on the cross to pay the debt for our sin. And so the writer of the Hebrews asks this question and warns us to pay attention, not because the writer just wants us to be nervous and scared, but to take it seriously because Jesus invites us into life with God, relationship with God forever and ever, forgiveness for our sins, redemption, that we get to be made whole even though we know we're broken. That all those things that we regret, that we recognize, we, as hard as we try, we still don't do rightly, day in and day out. We might get better than yesterday, sometimes. <laughs> Ask my wife, she'll tell you, sometimes it gets better and sometimes not so much. Um, you know, we still have those conversations about the same thing we've had for the last 23 years. Uh, because as hard as I try, as much as I want to be better, I'm still who I am. And it's not always good. Um, she didn't know that I was going to say that, and neither did I really. Um, but, but the writer of the Hebrews says, know this. Our only security is in Jesus. You see, the Pharisees are a helpful picture for us, I think. They were students of God's word and his law. They took it very seriously. But over time, the culture of the Pharisees and the culture of God's people Pharisees experienced power and authority in their communities. And even though, even at times when, like in the first century, when Israel was not free to govern itself, the Pharisees had found a way to use their authority and influence over the people to barter good relationship with the people in government who were in charge of them. And protecting the law of God and their experience of it, their understanding of it, and their way of life had become a distraction from understanding what God had really called his people to. So while they were doing good and important things, they had invested themselves in the study of God's law so they could nitpick every behavior and know if it fell within or without the law. But when Jesus came, the Messiah that they had been studying about and learning about for centuries. Their commitment to their way of life blinded them to what God was doing in their midst. And instead of celebrating Jesus' arrival, they fought against it and plotted to kill him. 
So the writer says, Jesus is better than the angels. Better than the messengers who brought Moses the law. And the message that Jesus declares, that when we trust in him, when we're with him, we're with God. And Jesus' death pays the penalty for our own sin, and we're forgiven, restored, made whole. There's nothing better than that. That's what God wants for us. That's what Jesus came for. And that's what's in our best interest. And it's important that we anchor ourselves in Jesus and that we look him in the face and study his word to see him and not to find our way of life. We don't want to drift and miss what God is actually doing and pretend that our our relationship with God is something about the way we live out our lives, but that we're really close to who he is all the time that we're evaluating our lives against his word, saying, what has he called us to? What mission has he given us? What does he want to do in our midst, and where is he at work? Because we know he's still at work. There are all kinds of things that we can give ourselves to, all kinds of noble things that we can give ourselves to, that we would be proud of each other for, But it's important, the writer to the Hebrews says, that we don't think that those things define our lives or who we are, apart from how well that connects us to Jesus. Because whatever we can give our lives to, whatever good and noble thing, It's not secure apart from Jesus. Jesus is our only hope and our only security, but he is that. And when we give ourselves to him, when we trust him, we are secure in him. We become children of God. And all our sins are paid for. So we want to stay close to Jesus, and that is what the writer of the Hebrews wants to help us see. Because Jesus really is greater. Greater than all the things that have defined God's people in the past, even our commitment to God's law, which obviously matters. Like, he gives it to us, and it does have serious consequences. We experience those consequences even now when we walk away and disobey when we try hard and don't measure up. Those consequences are real and it matters. But those behaviors don't define us as God's people. Our relationship with Jesus is what defines us as God's people. And we want to be close to him. Let's pray. Father God, We come before you this morning. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for your passion to pursue us. Thank you for your willingness to tell us the truth. 
We pray that as we wrestle through your word today that you would help us sift out what's good and what's off a little bit. That we would really let go of everything except Jesus. We want to be defined by our by our relationship with you, and we thank you so much that you made it possible, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would wash us clean, that you would give us faith, that you would give us the faith and strength to obey you and to serve you well, that your light would shine in us and others would hear and receive this message and believe you too. Because you are our only hope and our only security. It's what you want, and we want to be your people because you are definitely the one and only God. In Jesus' name, amen.